play by the rules, but be ferocious. That is a quote by Phil Knight, founder of Nike, who obviously also probably coined <laughs> the quote, just do it, right? If I were to change, uh, replace ferocious with be relentless. And that's actually one of my favorite words, especially at the very beginning of my fitness entrepreneurship because the first five years probably was the toughest time of my business. Uh, as I mentioned in prior episodes, most likely, I don't remember all of them now, but I probably mentioned that as an entrepreneur, you have a lot of skills that you need to learn, right? Besides your fitness certifications, whether that's your Pilates training or yoga teacher training, which requires tons and tons of hours, right? And then for personal training, um, I know that I did more than one certification. I specialize in other things like kettlebell training and Z Health, which is uh, like elite performance training uh, when it comes to like joint mobility and all that, right? So as a fitness professional, you are learning the skills to one, what is an effective fitness program and safe fitness program? And then you have to get the training for all that and know how to coach your clients through their movement and, and, and moving safely and effectively and getting long-term results and, you know, all of that stuff, right? Plus, if you're a solopreneur like I was you are also learning and you have a studio you're also learning a lot of the business skills that you need to learn and one of the things that i'm going to talk about today is ultimately how i went from being an outdoor fitness boot camp to going indoors and having my first location and so before i even got my first location as a business owner you have to know how to do your your books your accounting your marketing your <laughs> writing blog posts writing your newsletter all the stuff right that that falls under like in a, in a big company multiple people will do different things but as a solopreneur when you're starting especially if you have a limited budget and capital you have to do all those things and, and learn to balance all that along with your personal life, right? So if you have uh, two kids um, <laughs> or kids just in general and a spouse and other things, right, that are taking your attention, then that means that you have all that to balance. And so I feel... I feel like this is going to be an important episode for a lot of the fitness studio owners, uh, maybe, or if you're considering opening one and you don't have one yet, it's even more important for you. This episode is even more important for you because I'm going to talk about some of the lessons that I learned when I got my first studio location. So one of the things that um, my criteria, I had a criteria for getting my own space. Because as you probably heard in my previous episodes, I started outdoors, then 
I got into a, a boxing gym, which that boxing gym was a temporary solution because it was like a half solution. I was able to train my morning clients in the boxing gym, but at night, I still had to train them outdoors and it's not always ideal. Um, I was living in Northern California where it can be wet and kind of cooler at night. Um, it's not like Southern California where the weather feels like it's perfect all the time. So um, it was a temporary solution. So I knew that at some point I had to get my own location that's protected from the weather, obviously. Um, so that way... Um, I can control a lot of different things, right? Not just protection from the weather. So my criteria was I had to have enough, uh, a consistent amount of clients that are coming in that are taking my classes before I can get my own space. That's an obvious criteria, obviously. So, but how many, right? So I, I think at that time, I had like 20 to 30, somewhere around there. I don't remember the exact numbers. I'm sure I have it on record somewhere. But I would have 20 to 30 consistent group bootcamp clients before I even considered, you know what, it's time for me to get my own location and I can afford it. Because really, you have to consider that having a, your own location is like paying for two mortgages, right? You have to pay for your own mortgage, the one that you live in, and then the lease for your fitness studio. So, you ongoing expense and be able to pay the rent on a consistent basis because you have consistent revenue coming in right and so at the beginning probably the first two years my business was not profitable everything that i made basically went back into the business and reinvested and that's typical of small businesses right if you don't have outside funding that um, is going to support you which is good ownership of your business if you're a solopreneur but if you have people that are funding your business then obviously you have to share the the revenue and the profits so there's going to be pros and cons but that's for another episode um so i was at that point where i was considering getting my own space and my own fitness studio and the benefits of having my own space i probably don't have to to enumerate it to you but i'll do it anyway um, in my mind, you know, I can design it how I want to. I can control the standards, right? The cleanliness of the place, how the things are laid out, how things are done inside the space, the branding, you know, the colors and all that stuff. I can control all that. And of course, the protection from the weather was at most important importance because it was getting cooler in Northern California at that time. And it was kind of getting rainy already. And also, I get to have a home base for my clients to build connection in community, right? Something, a place they can call their second home and build friendships and, you know, hang out before and after classes and, and all that. So that was very important for me because I also did events. Um, once I got my fitness studio, I had, I held events there for my clients, a kind of appreciation events as well. And also, 
events to promote the gym and so that we can have more people as part of my marketing strategy. So those are all the benefits. Um, it was really nice to have my very first location and having all those and experiencing all those benefits. And so here are some lessons that I learned. Um, definitely, it was good that I knew this at that time that it was part of my business network at that time that I knew a commercial realtor. Having a commercial realtor was very helpful because it was my first time literally leasing a commercial space. And so a commercial realtor doesn't cost you anything because the landlord pays them. Yet, uh, you'll, they can explain <laughs> what you're signing and the terms of the lease and all that. So that was very helpful that they can like explain certain things and also help negotiate better rates for you, rental rates or and or they can also also negotiate certain things like free rent or extended something or whatever. Because um, sometimes some lease agreements will have like a, kind of like a scaling uh, increase after year one so like year two it increases by this percentage and year three increases by by this percentage so they can negotiate those tiny details for you and if I didn't have her on my side one I would have to be looking for my own commercial space which would take up my time <laughs> more of my time that I didn't really have right because I was doing everything in my business and then two they can look at the the details for you to make sure that you understand exactly what you're signing and negotiate better deals so definitely that is one thing that i did really good at the beginning is to hire a professional commercial realtor and of course you want to depending on where you are um, and if street visibility is important to you that's that's something that I looked for at the beginning because as part of your marketing, right? So if you're visible from the street and you're in a location where it's kind of busy, then you have the opportunity to have foot traffic in terms of, you know, um, new clients finding you. So that was important for me and ample parking, right? With fitness, especially if you have group classes, you need a ton of parking around the space that you're renting so that way it won't be a problem when your business grows and you have like 20 30 people in your classes taking one class um most i think the most that our classes have gotten to were 30 but that was like later on when we had like eleven thousand square foot facility so this first space first space that i had was like 15 100 square feet so it's not that big so we had pr probably a maximum <laughs> like really like sardines like 20 people in one class but normally we would have like a an average 12 to 15 people per class which was still pretty a good an amount of space for 1500 square feet so that's something you consider is of course like well how big of a space do you need in order to do your job well with your clients and of course the budget right um, I started small with 1500 square feet 
um, because I, my commercial realtor found a space in downtown. Um, this was in Concord, California. Uh, I mean, actually, the, the current location with the new owner who was my previous manager. <laughs> um, actually, it is, that's an interesting story for another um, episode. Maybe next time, next episode, I will talk about her and my first hire and all that. Um, so uh, where was I? <laughs> Start small. And um, I happened to have found this perfect small space, small enough space that fit my budget um, because the the landlord owned the entire building. And so it was very budget friendly for me, but it was still in downtown and it had visibility from the street. Yes, it wasn't as busy as busy of a street as I would have wanted, but for my budget, it was good because it's in downtown, it's accessible, it had ample parking and all that. So um, that's what I would do is like, okay, so what does your budget allow and what kind of space works for you? Uh, For a fitness boot camp, open space um, is great because we had room to like do all the exercises exercises properly uh for a a pilates studio it just really depends how many reformers you you plan to have um in how many uh, people uh in your group reformer classes do you want to have right Uh, because that can be a limiting factor in terms of growing as well right because you have a certain number of reformers and you have a certain number of people that you can take at one time and people are only available typically you know really early in the morning or after 5 p.m after they get off work right Um, you can have private classes of course in the middle of the day for those people that don't follow like your typical nine to five um, schedule so those are the things that you want to think about when you're looking at your space also, something that I learned later on after I got my first space, uh, which I'm sharing with you now, is think also of your neighbors in the neighborhood. So in terms of neighbors, all depends on um, the type of training that you do. So for fitness boot camps, we like the, the fast music <laughs> and we usually have music blaring. Um, because it like pumps you up and all that, right? For Pilates and yoga, not so much. That's really not an issue. So it just depends on what kind of services and training you offer. In terms of the neighborhood, um, this was, um, I did not think that this was a bad area um, in the neighborhood because it's in downtown, but we got a lot of graffiti um, on the uh, the back entrance, which is fine because you really don't see it unless the door is open, obviously. Um, and we're using the back area sometimes. Uh, so we had to like paint over any graffiti that happens overnight sometimes. Um, and then we also had some problems with people breaking our windows. So that really, again, depends. It didn't seem like a bad neighborhood. It actually isn't, now that I think about it. But, you know, these things happen. So maybe having to combat that if you're already in your fitness space, it might be better to have um, cameras 
security cameras so that you can catch any kind of like activities like that and prevent them from happening in the future. So the neighbors in the neighborhood are something that you want to look at. Um, in our case, in terms of our neighbors, um, the one next to us was a dance studio. So that was not a problem. In fact, uh, they were a potential referral partner for us. And then on the other side, it was like a lingerie store, which that was actually one of the things that we had a problem with. Um, uh, that's why that was a lesson for me that I learned is you know to know your neighbors and so when I looked at uh, new locations later on these are some of the things that I looked for and that I made sure to ask um, so then um, consider that if you are going to have a bigger space obviously that's going to cost you a little bit more on the rent side or if you're buying the space um, obviously the, the mortgage payment is going to be more um, and then it's also going to cost more to outfit it, right? To design it, to put the floors in and all that stuff. And one of the biggest startup costs for fitness studios are is going to be flooring. Again, that depends on what kind of studio you have. But most fitness studios I've seen have to have some kind of like um, rubber floor flooring, some kind of cushion, right? Um, it's not going to be like concrete. Um, I guess some yoga studios don't need to have that. Um, and maybe some Pilates studios as well. Um, so, but for fitness boot camps, because we do a lot of exercises on the floor, um, even though we have yoga mats and stuff like that, we still needed to have rubber flooring, um, professionally installed. So, um, the... If you are needing rubber flooring, something that I used at the beginning during for my first location was horse mats. So they're like, I forgot what size they are. They're pretty big and heavy. They're like 50 pounds each. So they stay in place and they're um, pretty affordable, cost effective for um, a gym, especially if you need a lot of them and they fit perfectly to each other. Uh, they stay in place because they're heavy, but um, if you're going to go that route, I would still make sure that you can attach the at least the outer mats in place so that they're not moving when your people are working out. Because again, if it's a boot camp, you're, you have a lot of like um, jumping movements, you know you're probably running all that stuff so that's gonna um, help them stay in place stay in place um, also something that I wish I had at my first studio well maybe this is when I, when I had more um, equipment budget for equipment as well um, is artificial turf so artificial turf is great um, it's just nice to have um, I like to use it for um, and now I'm forgetting the actual fitness equipment uh, that you use for artificial turf but I like it for that um, sled there you go for sleds um, that is something that's nice to have if you have those kind of things um, obviously um, if you don't need that then you don't need artificial turf necessarily but those are some things that I would have loved as a flooring option if I were to open another studio again which I probably won't <laughs> uh, but don't hold me accountable to that <laughs> um, but anyway 
So those are the things. So fitness, uh, equipment, and flooring are going to be your two biggest startup costs in a fitness studio. You probably already know that. Uh, but just in case you're still in the process of thinking like what kind of costs do I incur and what kind of things do I need to budget for, those are the two biggest things. And of course, the lease and typically your lease will have um, you know, at least a deposit and, you know, some kind of a uh, couple of months of front payment. So I would consider that when I'm about to open a new location, those are some of the things that's like, I know I need to have um, cash for like cash, cash, not like loan or credit, right? Um, so that, you know, basically, however you fund it, but um, that's what I would budget for in short. So another thing, because I have had multiple locations since my very first location, um, I would recommend to grow when needed um, and to grow, not to grow too quickly. And I'll tell that story in another episode. But grow when needed. And what I mean by that is um, I eventually, we eventually moved to the space next door, which was the lingerie place, which it was bigger, it was wider. I think it was at least more than double the 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 space next door. So it was easy to move because it was just next door. Um, but we only moved because we knew we can handle the the lease payments, the the lease, the rent, and of course the we had the the number of clients, right? The amount of clients to fill up the space and support the the gym in the revenue and still make profit. So um, I would also caution to not to grow too quickly, which I'll, again, I'll tell in another episode, but um, that's a very important story for me that I think uh, you'll appreciate, um, especially if you're just starting out or you're at the beginning stages of owning a fitness studio. Um, so yeah, if you have any questions about this episode or anything that I did not cover at all that I forgot to cover, um, be sure to just drop me uh, a DM uh, on Instagram. It's probably the quickest or, um, yeah, it's probably the quickest Instagram or Facebook. Those are the, the two places I, I hang out digitally online. Um, and then next episode, uh, episode seven, so we're in episode six right now. I should have probably mentioned at the beginning, but hey, we're almost done. So episode seven, I'm going to talk about my first hire and the power of delegation and duplication. This is probably the beginning of me like really starting to understand what's important in business, the fundamentals of business and all that is when you start to have team members that are doing things for you and then the power of systems and how all that comes into play into freeing you up and having you do some of the things that you know you're naturally good at which you know um, would probably made you start a business to begin with um, and really you know um, at these beginning stages if you're doing a lot of the things yourself that could lead to burnout and so there's an art to time management which I've talked about and also the art to 
delegation and duplication and systems and automation um, those are all the things that are going to be your best friends as your business grow and that's something that we'll talk about on episode seven so i'll see you then